Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit giving hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or just overrun by a complicated life. In this series called Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, you'll learn how the mind works, what motivates our choices, and find biblically-based keys to help your decision-making processes. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg, and welcome to Freedom to Choose and our new series, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? So, could it be this simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? What is that, Susan? Uh, It's a new workbook that we're going to be going through. It uh, talks about everything from how your mind works and how God can work through your mind, and not only that, but how your own... um, in turn, how you can work through your mind, yeah, too, well, which is t- not always the best. Yeah, well, it's basically maybe we could say it talks about the organizational structure of your mind, what thoughts and beliefs and all that stuff, uh, you know. How it influences uh, the organizational structure and what you think actually causes your brain to be developed in a certain way. Sure. Yeah, and so w- what we're going to do is we're going to actually go through the workbook in this series. Uh, it's got all new content. The workbook is really nice. It's 256 pages. I'm looking at it right now. It's got a lot of illustrations. It's got sections in the back for uh, actual participation. And uh, we're offering that book for free. If uh, anybody would like a copy of it, they can call our number at 916-645-1297. It's, um, it's something that our ministry provides. Uh, we're thankful that we... Um, have been exposed to this material, and our goal is to help other people to find, um, you know, a way out of of uh, troubling life through through the material as well. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in life right now, and for anybody, but especially those struggling, there's there's just has really good principles, teaches you how to think, how to weigh evidence, how to reason through situations, um, and uh, just uh, we're really excited about the book, and we're excited about this series. Yes. Susan, would you begin with a uh, open with a word of prayer, please? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to talk about uh, our minds and how you've created them to uh, be rational yet um, caring and, and connected to you in our thoughts and our, our actions. And so we ask now that you would send your spirit to be with us right now as we begin the series of... Um, of, uh, of could it be this simple, the way out of your prison. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, the mind is an intricately, intricately complex bioelectric supercomputer. And just like computers we buy in stores, the mind has both hardware and software. The term hardware refers to the actual physical components from which the computer is built. In other words, the hard drive and things, keyboard, things like that. The hardware that forms our mental computer is the brain tissue itself with all of its billions of neurons, its nerve cells, and those types of things. Right. But the hardware isn't enough for a computer to function. It must also have the software or programming. Computer has to have an operating system, a framework of rules to direct its functioning. 
Um, Microsoft Windows would be an example of an operating system. And the brain comes with hardware or hardwiring that has genetically programmed it with certain features that can make it ready to receive an operating system. And just like that, so the operating system gets installed uh, in the in the brain during childhood, and con- uh, continually undergoes modification throughout life. The language we speak, the God we worship, our beliefs, our values, our morals, how we play and interact with others are all part of this complex operating system. I mean, if you think about it, you weren't born thinking in English. Right. That was something that was downloaded into your software, the, your software package as you grew up, right? right. So when, when I see a dog, I, see, I think dog. Mm-hmm. When, when someone that speaks Spanish sees a dog, they're going to say perro, mm-hmm. right? That's just what happens. Uh, words are symbols of ideas. Uh, if I was to take someone out onto a, a concrete job with my concrete vocabulary and I ask them to... Uh, to grab some pans or a burn trowel or some combo blades, they really wouldn't know what I was talking about. But once they hung around the concrete construction for a while, that vocabulary would be downloaded into their hardware, and they would be able to speak the same language, if you will. Right, and so when you say pans and blades, I think of something completely different. I'm thinking about, you know, what I use to cook with and yeah. cut, cut with, so... Yeah, see, words are symbols of ideas, and so we have to be very careful. Some people's packages are different than other people's packages, and therefore things in which you say mean different things to certain people. Right, Absolutely. Um, But the hardware and the software still aren't enough for a computer to work. It also has to have an energy source. And if the energy source is faulty, glitches and short circuits can cause um, the operation of the um, computer. To whack it out a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, the energy source for our brain is the blood that brings the nutrients and takes away the waste. If something interferes with the reliable, consistent blood flow... Or if the blood itself is unhealthy, then the function of the brain suffers. Now, understanding this principle helps us recognize the benefits of a healthy lifestyle. Right. Uh, And we all know that the store-bought computers can have problems with hardware or software or both. The question hotly debated in psychiatry is whether mental illness results from hardware issues, which are genetic or structural brain problems, or from software difficulties, the problems in the operating system, in how we, in how or what we think, or possibly both. Yeah, and that's interesting, how we think or what we think, because they can both cause problems. What you're thinking can ch- change the chemical composition of your brain, and how you think can change the chemical comp- composition of the brain. Now, Complicating, further complicating this uncertainty is the entire field of religion and spirituality. What role do spiritual beliefs play in the functioning of the mind? Traditionally, psychiatrists have considered religious beliefs to be, at best, outdated coping strategies and, at worst, a mass delusion. That's right. So Dr. Herbert Benson of Harvard University and colleagues recently conducted a seminar designed to focus more attention on the importance of spirituality in medicine. The seminar leaders hold the position that a particular form of meditation results in overall physical benefit, 
More important, though, they emphasize that certain forms of spirituality can actually improve physical they, health. And they, they can actually improve. You know, you have a, you almost have like a, a, a control group that proves this. It would be like AA, an AA is a, a spiritually based program. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying a member of AA is a is, is a, a good example. A good example because an addict or an alcoholic can actually do for these people what doctors and psychiatrists can't do. That's it's basically to help another alcoholic or addict get get sober or get clean and stay that way. And how do they do that? By picking them up and taking them to the meeting and basically leading them to God mm-hmm. and let God do the work in them. Right. And next thing you know, they get healthy and they get well. Right. And they start thinking straight. They start acting straight, you know, and, and just things, good things happen. Mm-hmm. But it's the spiritually based program that does that. Right. And I think it's, you know, it's the initial belief that um, that you can recover. Yes. Because the thing is, is I know that for me, I just never thought that it was possible. I know when I sat in, a, in a, my first NA meeting and I was sitting in a room with about 30 addicts that were all clean and sober, I thought, hey, this I can do this. That was inspiring. That was very inspiring. Right. You know, and, and to me for a while, the, the evidence that there was a God was the fact that there was a meeting. And and not only that, but I think that people will, um, because they've gone through that experience, they believe that you too can go through that experience. So it's kind of like someone else's belief almost carries you through. It, it does for a while. Right, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you get encouragement, you right. get, and, and you just, you, that's the only way you can get traction. Right. Because you're so defeated, so beaten. Absolutely. So in his book, Timeless Healing, the Power and Biology of Belief, Dr. Benson documents in considerable detail the scientific data demonstrating that what we believe can significantly influence our physical health. Benson describes how he and his colleague, Dr. David McCauley Jr., documented an extensive list of various treatments designed to alleviate angina pectoris, the chest pain associated with decreased blood flow to the heart. Treatments like administering Cobra venom. Cobra venom. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Benson and, and McCallie identified some extremely interesting results. The test methods were affected for 70 to 90% of those patients who believed the intervention would work. Wow. When science eventually proved such treatments as bogus, the rate dropped to 30 to 40%. So it depends on what you believe a lot of this, Abs- what they're, what they're Ab- illustrating Absolutely. Here. So people should be able, should be free to believe whatever they want to believe, not, but not all beliefs are healthy to believe. Let's consider scenarios recognizing that people are free to believe what they choose, but also evaluate the various costs and benefits resulting from what they actually believe. Okay, so let's look at a couple scenarios. These are actually real-life cases, Mm -hmm. uh, but they're uh, scenarios that are brought up so that we can ask some questions about them. Um, And uh, let's look at scenario number one. Wanda was admitted to the hospital for severe depression. She was required to wear an oxygen at night due to severe lung disease. During an evaluation, she disclosed that she smoked two packs of cigarettes per day. When asked why she smoked, given her lung problems, she say, stated, smoking helps me breathe better. Let's ask a few questions here. Was Wanda free to believe cigarettes helped her breathe better? Uh, yes, she's definitely free to believe that. Absolutely. Okay, so now was it healthy for her to believe that? No. No, no. it was not. Why do you think she believed that? 
Well, because I think, number one, you know, it's probably been a habit that she's had for a really long time. And if you if she started to believe that it wasn't healthy for her, then she, you know, she wouldn't it would kind of cause some cognitive dissonance. Right. Why right. are you doing something that's unhealthy for you? So basically what you're saying is we modify our beliefs to cater to our behavior. Many times we Many do. Many times. Absolutely. And then once we're full on in the belief, mm-hmm. then we're fine. We can just go along in the behavior and and it doesn't really And see that's where we get into trouble when um you know when we're doing things that are against other people or ourselves, we you know, we change our beliefs to to modify. We modify our beliefs to adapt, adapt to right what what it is that we really want to. We do. might modify our beliefs when we walk into a room and see certain people, and might act differently. Absolutely, just in that little scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the consequence for her believing this? Oh, the consequence is that she was going to continue to struggle and get and, more unhealthy and and get more unhealthy yeah. and and you know cause. A, continued damage to her lungs and her overall physical being. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Free to believe, but unhealthy beliefs don't make you well. That's right. Yeah. So let's go on to the second scenario. And this is um, Martha, who was a 35-year-old mother of three who struggled with years of depression, fear, insecurity, feelings of worthlessness, and low self-esteem. She described event after event when she would try to discipline her children, but they would respond with anger. So she would back down and let them have their way. No wonder she's depressed. (laughs) She reported that if she didn't do what the children wanted, they would get mad at her. So she usually gave, gave them what they wanted. She believed that if the children were upset, she was a bad mother. She measured her success as a mother from the way the children responded. So what belief or beliefs did Martha hold that are unhealthy? What was, what do you find as the main belief that's unhealthy? Well, that you know, her, the way her children acted was whether or not she was a good or bad mother. She measured her yeah her, her success, success on somebody else's <laughs> response on a on a on a child's response. Right. Okay. So let's let's take that a step further. Mm-hmm. How how does that apply to us? Do we ever measure our success on the response of other people? Well, absolutely. I mean, you could it's, have a boss or a spouse that maybe ha- are going through their own thing, but when they don't as- respond like you think they should, you then know, you take the responsibility for that and sure take sure. that burden on when it's not your, your burden to yeah. take on. Yeah, yeah. So what are the consequences for holding beliefs like this? Well. For, it, for Martha. For Martha and for the children. Mm-hmm. Children get worse; they get more unruly, right? right? Because they get their way all the time. Right? How about for Martha? Well, I don't think I don't see where her issues are going to be resolved. They're because, not because she's in a tailspin. Yeah, because the the the, the children are going to get more and more rebellious because right. they're getting their way. So Absolutely. nothing good happens. No. Yeah, that's interesting. She measured her success as a mother from the way her children responded. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So what would be healthier belief for Martha's life and a behavioral change if she applied it? What would be a healthier alternative? Um, set up some boundaries. Set up some... You, set up you, a spanking paddle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, she... Yeah. See, it's always easy for me to say because since we don't have children, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're flying over at 30,000 feet. Yes. We, yeah. 
Um, but I do think that I do think that children, um, you know, it's it's appropriate to have boundaries and rules, and, and especially when children are young, are young, um, to teach them between right and wrong. I think that's a parent. Well, well that's true, job. but it, but but love manifests itself in in many many different ways. I mean. Does love scrape the bottom of a child's feet until they bleed, bleed and the child is screaming? And, and does love keep scraping the bottom of the child's feet until the child is almost unconscious? And then does love pour iodine on that child's feet? Mm-hmm. If, if, if the child has a staph infection, which is what happened to me, right. that's what love does. Right. It doesn't look good on the outside, but if my mom was too worried about my screaming and telling her don't do it, right. I wouldn't be alive right now. Right. You know, love will hold their child in a in a in a bathtub full of ice water if they have a hundred and six temperature. Mm-hmm. Love will do the right thing always. Right, and that's the thing is I think you know doing the right thing for in the long term, sure. in the long run. That's the that's the goal for God that God would desire for all of us sure. to do is to. You know, I was just joking about the spanking paddle. You're never <laughs> supposed to you know respond in anger. So, I guess the spanking paddle is okay if you're not. You know, you've thought about it. <laughs> but um, Case, okay, so let's look at another scenario. Okay. Scenario three. Jerry had a lifelong pattern of exploiting others, bending the rules, and manipulating the system. Jerry was a dentist and lost his license for selling narcotic pain prescriptions illegally to make extra money. Jerry refused to accept any personal responsibility, instead blaming society for having draconian rules on substance abuse on restricting adults from making their own choices. He insisted that he had done nothing wrong and he was merely ensuring the the drug users, who would have used drugs anyway, got safe and pharmaceutically clean supply of drugs. Jerry believed he was helping others. Hmm. What unhealthy beliefs did Jerry have? Hmm. Wow. What's the two main ones jump out at me? That number one, he's above the law. Mm -hmm. And number two, he's playing God. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. In other words, he knows best. He mm-hmm. knows what he knows better than anybody else. Well, and I think that the biggest thing that 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 um, comes to me is that this is all predicated on a benefit that he was receiving. Yeah, that's true so too. He, yeah, you know, it sounds like the scenario says that everybody was benefited, but actually, he was the one that was benefited. Yeah, by because the other people might of income. Yeah, other people might have been losing their marriages and right. whatnot. And he's benefited in another way, too. If he really believes this, then he's actually thinking he's doing everybody mm-hmm. good. So he's, you know, he's got this false benefit of being the the the, the savior, right. if you will. Right. You know, Absolutely. which is really, really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, what consequences did these beliefs have for Jerry, both professionally and spiritually? Well, he was, um, you know, he lost his license, and so... And and like you said, you know, you go through and you you think um, if he was thinking that he was doing okay, you know, that there is that internal damage that occurs. That yeah. a lot of times we don't recognize that when we're doing damage to other people, that we're actually damaging ourselves. Yeah, more so than yeah. any, anybody else. Yep, and and that that can come once you have that aha moment that comes back at you really bad. You're carrying a lot of baggage, realizing all the people that you hurt Mm -hmm. because you were bent on your own way for so long. Right. Yeah, Yeah. we both know that feeling. Yeah. Can Jerry experience healing as long as he holds to such beliefs? 
So I think we're talking about the beliefs that um, that he's right. Right. Yeah. No, he can't experience healing that way. Right. Because uh, he's outside of of healthy principles. Uh, Right. He's breaking the law, and he's probably doing harm to people. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. What truth might help Jerry? Biblical principles. Mm -hmm. Biblical principles. That's right. Um. Let's look at one more scenario. Scenario number four. Okay. Uh, Rich had a 25-year history of drug addiction that began just after he graduated from high school with honors. When asked by a friend why he wouldn't quit, Rich replied, why? And maintained there was nothing wrong with his life, even though clearly it was falling apart all around him. Rich said he didn't want to quit because he needed his drugs to function. Okay, so was Rich free to believe that his life was going along just fine? Were you free to oh, believe that? Oh, this is about me? It is. Oh, okay. <laughs> is your name yeah, Rich? Yeah, I was free to believe that. I sure was. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so were you also free to believe that you needed drugs to function, even though you did just fine with them? You, you were class valedictorian without even doing drugs or alcohol? Uh, yeah, I you know you get you start going down that road and and uh, you know and I I was gonna say this a little bit later but I'll say it now I got into recovery because the consequences of my disease came at me faster than my ability to lower my standards, but all through my addiction I continued to modify my beliefs and lower my standards and modify my beliefs and lower until I looked up one day and I was homeless. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And now, and and then the the consequences; those consequences came at me faster and faster, and I couldn't lower my standards anymore. I just right. I was done. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's what happens. You and it's it's your belief system. So yeah, I was free to believe that, but that was not healthy beliefs. Right. So why why do you think you couldn't see that your life was falling apart? I mean, because both of us used drugs and alcohol for like 25 years. So what was it in your life that you could not see what was happening. Your life was falling apart. I think, I think that the alcohol and the drugs were doing something for me that nothing else did. Mm-hmm. And whatever that was, whatever it was doing, and we could analyze that on another program, I'm sure. Right. But it was doing something for me. It was taking away pain. It was, it was doing a lot of things for me that if you were going to take that away from me, you had to give me something better. You had, And I didn't know at the time there was anything better. Well, and I think, too, is that that, that gives you uh, more chutzpah. You know, you, you were able to kind of put aside reality, and you lived in the fantasy. Sure. Know, we lived in fantasy, and then we were um, not as fearful in many yeah. ways. Yep, because, uh, because yeah. Because you had this false sense of whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, what was it about your beliefs that were so harmful? Well, I was I was destroying my brain. I was destroying all my relationships. I was destroying my health. Mm-hmm. You know, I just got a, a new hip because I got osteoarthritis. I think that the methamphetamine might have moved that along a little bit. Right. You know. Right. Uh, we're we're dealing with a lot of physical issues now mm-hmm. uh, that maybe would have come around ten years later. Right. Um, and but also the mental baggage, the the f- cleaning up the mess. Right. It's been a long, long time. Right. So of, going through all that, it was kind of like a um, you had a completely distorted view of reality. Yep. Completely distorted re- re- view of reality. And I think one of the I think a spiritual I, I think that's why 
in recovery, the only thing that works is a spiritual awakening because God begins to give you a better view of reality. He lets you see who you're hurting. He lets you see not only are you, because, you know, you and me both said, I'm not hurting anybody but myself, right. which is a total lie. Right. We're free to believe that. Right. We're convinced that because we modified our beliefs so mm-hmm. that we could continue doing what we wanted to do. Right. You know, and so uh, that's just the way sin goes. The wages of sin is death. You get in that tailspin. Right. You know? And the good news is, is that, you know, there are, there is a way out. There is a way out. You know, there is freedom to choose. Yeah. Uh, So you're, I don't know if you're wondering or not, but uh, (laughs) how can you get a copy of the book? Could it be the simple, the way out of your prison? Um, We've got them free. Just give us a call. 916-645-1297, and we'll send one out to you. Next next time, it's going to be the hierarchy of the mind, and that's the organizational structure of the brain that we're going to be talking about, Uh, conscience and reason and how it works and, and all of that kind of stuff. So we're glad that you dropped by today. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for people whose lives might be overrun with hard decisions, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials that biblical principles do work, and they've put together a workbook with Dr. Timothy Jennings to move yourself or those you love towards freedom. If you would like to order this new workbook called Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.